You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 159. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome to the show. You've reached another Local Maximum. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to go a little Socratic method on you here today because we have a few uh, unfinished topics from uh, episode... uh, 157, which is two episodes ago. Um, have you ever, so you, have you ever been to a coffee shop and you've gotten those, uh, those little punch card things? Indeed. And because I'm a bit of a hoarder, uh, I have like a stack of little frequent flyer, you know, business cards for various things, which invariably have one, maybe two items punched out on them. And I will never go back to that place again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was like a joke on the Babylon B uh, the other day said that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Donald Trump is hoping for one more impeachment. He gets a free sub or something like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, have you ever gotten, I think most of the time in the coffee shops, they have, they give you 10, uh, it's usually 10, right? You have to get 10 coffees and they get a free cup of coffee. Have you ever actually gotten the 10? Uh, not in a coffee shop, but there used to be a, a falafel food truck uh, outside college that I, I frequented. And it was like, buy six falafels and get your seventh one free. And I, I, I definitely, I feel like multiple times um, I, oh, I managed I see. to hit that up. Um, but, but that's when, when, you know, great. food trucks were a great deal back then. <laughs> well, there used to be, when I lived in Brooklyn, I was a great building in Brooklyn and uh, 66 Rockwell place uh, where they had a, a coffee shop in it, or they used to have a coffee shop in the building, got taken out by, by COVID, I guess. But uh, you know, I, that one, I, I would frequently get my, uh, you know, after living there six years, I might have gotten like three or four free cups of coffee out of that. So that was pretty great. Um, so, okay, imagine you go up to one of these coffee shops, you have that, uh, you have that uh, card in your hand, you got all 10 punches on it. And you also have, uh, you also have cash to pay for the coffee. What are you going to pay with? You're going to pay with the punch card, get it for free. Or you're going to pay with your cash. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely going to liquidate my, my, my free coffee as, as quickly as possible. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But why, why, why would you do that? Both of them, uh, you know, both of them, uh, will, will buy you the same thing. Both of them are of equal value. Well, I, I, I feel like I'm getting what you're driving at here. It's, it's that the, uh, that punch card is, uh, yeah. valueless elsewhere. Uh, it, it has a, a very limited realm right. where, where it'll be accepted. Whereas my, my cash money, I can so it's actually almost anywhere kind of, else. It's less. Right. So the, 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 the punch card or, or maybe a coupon or whatever that's going to expire is actually way less valuable to you um, anywhere else. Um, so overall, it's way less valuable. Uh, whereas the, uh, the cash is universally accepted and... You will be, I mean, look, if you're in that coffee shop and you got 10, 10 punches on there, the chance of, if you don't use it now, the chance of it ever getting used again is like 5%. I know this from personal and, and experience, this is, this is why probably even lower than that. Any, any of those um, cards but, or uh, rebates or anything invariably have a, uh, a, a fine print on the back that says, you know, uh, redeemable for cash value equivalent to like, you know, 0.001 cents or something that, that they... If, if, if the lawyer has actually right. looked at this program at all, they will make sure that it is not redeemable for a reasonable cash value because that would, that would destroy the business model. So then, yeah. So then this, uh, right. So, so th- this raises the question, another kind of obvious question, but again, I'm, I'm just having you lead here. Why, uh, 
why would the coffee shop accept the punch card or accept the coupon to begin with if it's worth so much less than the, uh, it's uh, worth nothing to them essentially. And the, uh, the, the, the cash is worth more. Well, they're, they're converting uh, loyalty into value for you. Uh, and, and presumably they're operating on the assumption that uh, if, if you buy your free coffee, you're not just going to buy your free coffee. Uh, that that they will they will they will be able to spread the value of that free coffee over the preceding ten right. purchases you've made, and the odds of you uh, buying a, a muffin or a Danish or a donut or something to go along with it uh, are extremely high. So so in reality, uh, you've already paid for that. They, yeah, yeah. They're also they're bringing the cost, you in, as, as have all the people who never make it to their uh, their tenth coffee. They've been uh, they've been subsidizing your free coffee. Right, right. Okay, so so this is a uh, this is the kind of the economics lesson in here is um, closely related to something called Gresham's law, which uh, I'm going to talk about here. Is that you know if you're at a store and they will accept two forms of payment, um, and one form of payment is worth less to you elsewhere then you're going to use the one that's worth less to you elsewhere because, you know, the one that's worth more to you, you'd rather hang on to. Uh, so let's say it's not a coupon. Let's say it's two forms of currency, okay? And you have one form of currency, uh, you know, you have red dollars and blue dollars, or I don't know, pick colors or, or whatever. And uh, let's say um, one of those dollars is still going to be worth a dollar tomorrow, and the other type of dollar is going to be worth 50 cents tomorrow. Uh you're going to want to spend the one that's only going to be worth 50 cents tomorrow because the other one is a much better store of value. So ironically, uh, what Gresham's law says is that, uh, you know, in any other situation, like if you have um, a, a, a bad product and a good product, you're going to want to use the good product. But in currency, it's kind of reversed. If you have a bad product and a good product, you're going to want to use the bad product because using currency is akin to getting rid of it assuming that the good and bad product both buy you the same thing today. Absolutely. And, and actually, Did I, I explain that correctly. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And uh, it reminds me of an example from, from my childhood. Um, so there's, there's a ski resort in uh, kind of central, north central Vermont, uh, Jay Peak, which uh, they do, or at least at, 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 at one point, they did a lot of business with folks coming in from Canada. Uh, certainly not right now during the pandemic, uh, probably nobody coming in from Canada. Uh, but at the time, there, there were a lot of people coming across the border to ski there because they, they got a lot of really good snow. Uh, and there was a period where they would offer to take Canadian dollars on par, uh, meaning that uh, if the ticket price was $45, you could pay $45 Canadian or $45 American and get the same ticket. Uh, and I'm sure there was some exchange, you know, some, some transactional costs involved if you wanted to convert money back and forth. Uh, but if you happen to have Canadian dollars, uh, even if it was only exchanging at, you know, not, not the two to one ratio that we have seen in recent memory, but, you know, even if it was 89 cents to the dollar, uh, then you, you would get rid of any Canadian money you happen to have and, and take advantage of the, uh, the benefit there. Why, why would you pay, you know, good, valuable American dollars when, when you have the opportunity to, to do otherwise? Uh, I, I guess so. Were, were Canadian dollars less? Oh, well, so they were less valuable at the time on face value. So it wasn't expected inflation. It was more just like, hey, this is what they're valued at now, but the ski resort is accepting them on par. So uh, yeah, it's kind of the seller that is 
kind of doing something that uh, is it right. The the intention was certainly that that it would be a way to get uh, Canadians into to you know if, if they got enough volume that it would be profitable. Um, right. I, I don't think they were planning on Americans going out and exchanging their American dollars for Canadian, just probably because the hassle would be too great to to yield that benefit. Oh, people do a lot for five the, bucks. The difference in the exchange rate was small <laughs> yeah. enough that. Well, yeah, because because people don't do a good good job converting their uh, the value of time into money. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's apply this to. So so the question is, does this apply to Bitcoin or to, you know, or even to say two fiat currencies, say uh, uh, say the dollar and say some currency that's failing uh, today. So if you're in, say, another country where you have a, a currency that's hyperinflating, it's, it's a failing currency, it, it drops by the hour. If you go into a store that accepts that currency and you have dollars too, you'd rather hold on to your dollars and spend that currency. So that works for a while, but uh, it works up to a point because then the store is going to try to get rid of the currency very quickly. And uh, basically... It works until the store or, or whatever service you're buying stops accepting the the bad currency because they don't want to accept it anymore. So it works up to a point, and then when it's so, it it, yeah, it sounds like a game of hot potato or musical chairs. Right, right. So it's not like um, right, right. So uh, you know, if, if there's very light inflation on the dollar, people don't really care that much. Uh, you spend your dollar at a store. That dollar is going right out, right back out again. It's going right back out to its employees. It's going right back to uh, you know its inputs, its inventories, all that stuff. So uh, it's not going to feel the rate of inflation on the dollar, one two percent inflation, especially if it was um, say I don't know the what was it the German mark in the nineteen twenties or more recently Argentina or or Zimbabwe or something. Yeah, that could be a problem. And so instead of you know, we think of most products, say in tech, it's like you have a better product come along and then, uh, you know, people are still using the old product, but then more and more people start using the better product as they realize it's better, blah, 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 blah. But in currency, it's so totally on its head where you, you, the one that gets used is the worst one that is still, uh, that, that is, is the worst one that's still holding up. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's like the, uh, the 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 bottom uh, the the, uh, the the bottom of the totem pole that has, still isn't underwater is the one that uh, is the one that you see gets used a lot and so I've been thinking about that with Bitcoin and the fact that it, the price keeps going up and up and yet you still don't see uh, it being used at the grocery store or something like that and it's because you know Bitcoiners are crazy and they believe in their currency so much and they believe it's going to go up so much that. You don't want to spend it. Are you crazy? I mean, you know, there are a few things you might spend it, uh, you know, and then try to like refill what you spend. Well, certainly, yeah. To try to encourage it. You're giving up uh, future gains by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I listened to a a podcast, another episode of What Bitcoin Did last night, which is um, uh, turning out to be a pretty good podcast. I'm trying to think, uh, or was it last night? It was during the day, but whatever. I don't have to be that accurate on the show here as to when I'm listening to, I'm, I'm always like, what am I, uh, <laughs> you know, can't lie to the audience, you know, but some, some things. Okay. But if I see all the episode, there was, um, an episode with, uh, uh, Bill Bay, Bayhide, Barhide, uh, who is the founder of Abra, 
And that's one of those companies where you can do, you can get a rate of return on your Bitcoin. You know, you could, you could bank with Bitcoin. You can, uh, you know, lend, borrow, all that stuff. And he said, yeah, what I want people doing is Bitcoin is their store of value. Then they, uh, then they use it as collateral to borrow worthless dollars and then spend those worthless dollars. Not worthless because you can spend it, but you know, <laughs> in the in the mind of a Bitcoiner, uh, kind of like uh, inferior money. Um, and then I'm thinking, wow, what is this going to do if you have everybody just borrowing dollars and then immediately offloading them and using their Bitcoin as collateral? Could that accelerate uh, some kind of crisis in the currency market? Um, and uh, I, I think. Gresham's law says, yeah, it this thing accelerates. Like yeah. Fuel for a bubble. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's definitely something to watch. So I guess if I could state Gresham's law very simply, because I know we get went on over a lot of stuff, is that the the bad money gets used over the good money and coupons get used over money. Basically, the one that's gonna have less value in the future, that's the one that you're gonna want to use. That's the one people are gonna want to use because using money involves getting rid of it. And uh, or, or exchanging it, and so uh, that would increase the velocity of of said uh, uh, of said currency. Um, and now that we have this very hard currency in terms of Bitcoin, and we have uh, a lot of other currencies uh, popping up, uh, that could create tremendous pressures that could go uh, in in a variety of different directions. We don't know, but it's definitely something to watch over the next few years and. I'm going to probably mention Gresham's law a lot in uh, in talking about these uh, these these topics. Again, velocity of money is an interesting is an interesting economic concept as well because that's how often it changes hands. And you think, well, that's great. Uh, if money has high velocity, that means people are spending and they're moving the money around. They're, they're, the spender is spending and the spender is spending. That's that's economic growth, right? But um, Ironically, it's like the, the higher velocity money has, somehow the, the, less, uh, the, the less value it has. There's that equation. There's that famous economic equation. It's like, a, uh, um, I can't even, it's, it's PV equals, oh my God, I'm not even. We, I, I would imagine velocity is, is related to volatility in the stock market. And high volatility uh, in and of itself doesn't indicate that things are good or bad in the stock market. It just means that uh things are changing and rapidly and and that's there's there's a lot of room for gains there but also uh, a lot right. of room for things okay. to go horribly so, wrong so so it's case. i'm 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 confusing the velocity of yeah confusing the velocity of money law with the uh with the gas laws which is very <laughs> so um yeah no the uh the uh the it's it's vm equals pt so it's the the price level and the aggregate time. So, so M is the, the important part is M is the total amount of money in circulation and V is the velocity of money. So basically if V goes up, then M goes down. Uh, so, so the money, uh, becomes less valuable, I guess, as, as velocity goes up. That's a little bit more complicated. I don't want to, uh, it's probably an economist would probably kill me right now. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to get into even yeah, the discussion yeah. of yeah. M versus so, uh, M2. I, I, I'm yeah. not trying to explain that. But I think in terms of just the technology that's coming up, I, I, I just wanted to go over that law. So that's that's pretty good. We've gone over too much of it. Uh, of it. Yeah. Be before we move on to Gresham's law, one, one question about that. Uh, so is Gresham's law 
kind of universally accepted or is there some controversy around around its validity and and i don't want to have the the whole debate about how and why but but is this pretty much a, a universal uh universally accepted law of economics or or there's there's still debate uh i haven't seen any it's not like you know the phillips curve or something where people are like what curve and you look at the data it's like yeah or, or like modern monetary yeah. theory where there are those that that believe in it no it doesn't seem to have um, bogus you know a huge amount of uh detractors and and kind of like the wikipedia page does not have criticisms gotcha. section so i don't know if that, <laughs> i don't know if that means anything but you know the fact that you can't find anything on the internet like you know <laughs> every you know even um uh i think it's pretty well established kind of like hey uh, if the price goes up, then less people will want it, sort of an economic law. Obviously, there are exceptions to that, and I'm sure you could find some some exceptions to Gresham's law as well, uh, but there's always some trick to it to make it not really an exception. So, um, Okay, cool. There was another law that I want to talk about that's also related, and this law doesn't have a name, so if anyone wants to come up with a name for this law, uh, or tell me if it is... And by the way, I, I hate the... The term law doesn't really describe these things, does it? It's kind of like a good way to think about how, uh, how the world is, is proceeding, whereas it doesn't have to be a law. But anyway, we call them laws like Moore's Law or whatever. So this one is about you know, legacy products getting worse as new up-and-coming products supplant it. So it's not like, hey, I am going to um, build uh, a better... I don't know. Let's think about one product uh, supplanting another. Uh, you could think about, say, um, well, let's say now, there's some. When, when you say getting worse, do you mean literally getting yes. worse, or or just stagnating and and failing to improve while the 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 water level literally rises getting worse? So an example where that doesn't work is say Blockbuster versus Netflix, right? So Netflix comes into supplant Blockbuster, and Blockbuster, it stagnates. It even tries to get a little bit better over time because it tries to say, okay, we're not going to charge uh, late fees. We're not going to do it to really try to compete. So in that case, the opposite is happening. But I think when you have a, uh, a, a, a paradigm shift in the industry where some technology feels really old and then there's new technology to supplant it that feels really new and exciting, then the more the, the engineers and, and product professionals and entrepreneurs who are more motivated are going to go to the new one. And, and, the, and the old one, uh, not only can it not compete and stagnate, but it actually get, gets worse because there's kind of a br br brain drain of talent. And I think that's kind of what's happening uh, to Google today, as we'll talk about in a minute. And that's what's happening to a, a lot of companies today that you can see it, I think, um, I think you can see it in the cryptocurrency world as well, whereas the, you know, the motivated people are going to, uh, the motivated finance people are going to decentralized finance and, and cryptocurrency, and maybe that's a brain drain from, um, you know, traditional finance. Um, so and what's the brain drain from Google and, and Facebook? I don't know, but if it just feels so old and, and, and crusty, then all the, the motivated people are not going to want to work there, um, you know, not... I'm not saying that everyone who works at Google and Facebook are not not motivated, but I'm just saying there there will tend to be some some kind of a, a a brain drain there. And so I don't. It's something that I'm starting to notice more and more, but I don't actually see a um, like a name for it. Have you? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with, well, I, I I believe something similar was was referenced in, in the Innovator's Dilemma, but I don't know if it's exactly that, and it doesn't have a catchy name to it. Hmm. So it needs a catchy name. Okay, I'm going to look that up, Innovator's Dilemma. And uh, if anyone has a name for this rule, uh, please let me know, localmaxradio at gmail.com. Okay, today's episode is more of like a... a February news update. So we still have a few more to go through. Uh, the, that was just sort of an update from from 157 on sort of a, you know what's happening with our with our currencies and with our tech. Um, this this next part is kind of an update from episode 149 when we talked about the firing of AI ethics uh, uh, researcher Timna Jibru. Well, I don't know if you've heard, Aaron. Turned out they fired the uh, person she was working closely with, another AI ethics researcher. So they uh, they went for the they went for the twofer there, right? Yeah, um, yeah. We have some more corporate talk from Google, which I just have a very strong negative reaction to that. Like, um, you know, it's like we're sorry this looks bad. We're going to change things next time. The actual quote from Jeff Dean, and I don't know if he really wanted to write this, but he says, "I understand we could have and should have handled this situation with more sensitivity. For that, I am sorry." It's like. <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, oh, I know people have to is, apologize. Is that referring sometimes. specifically to Jebru or or that's Jebru? That's Jebru. Uh, not the new, not the new one. Yeah, the new fire. Yeah, yeah. no, that's the new one because now they've okay. with Jebru they've come up with a new thing where we're going to redo our corporate our corporate culture and we're going to reorganize and this time we're going to get better. And hey, maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe they should never have had this AI ethics group structured in the way it was in the first place. So the Next one that they fired is Margaret uh, Mitchell, who also worked on the AI ethics group with Tim Najibru. Uh, in a statement, Google spokesperson said Mitchell had shared confidential business-sensitive documents and private data of other employees outside the company. I don't know if that is... Um, that sort of raises the question, well, what, what kind of things was it? Was it something where... Uh, uh, you know, was it something where... It's just like an email that got forwarded, and uh, it's something that they can basically get anyone on and just decided to, uh, they wanted to fire her anyway and got her on that, or was there like a real breach there? That we don't really know. Um, but, um, you know, again, yeah, like and, I ask, is Google fishing more, for an excuse? more damning question is, were the leaked documents related to the Timnit Jebru situation? Uh, oh, was, yeah. Was this an outgrowth of that, or was this com something completely separate from that? Um, yeah, that that they were using the leverage here. Yeah, because um, it, it could flow either way. But on, on the one hand, Google certainly has a an incentive to, uh, you know, if they're starting to develop a culture of leaking leakers, uh, they, they want to nip that. In sure, the sure. Uh, for for both IP reasons and for PR reasons. Absolutely. Um, much much like the US government, uh, you know, in, in the wake of, of Snowden and, and things like that. Generally, the concern that the government has is more uh, on, on the nature of who are the leakers and how can we stop them rather than any of the specifics about what was leaked. Uh, cause, cause they're real sensitive about that. And a sufficiently large company starts to act like a government. Yeah. And this ways. is, I mean, you know, Google's nothing compared to Apple. Apple will lock you down. Uh, you know, <laughs> from, from what I've heard, I mean, I don't know, maybe they've changed now, but I don't think so. I think Apple is the biggest in terms of secrecy. Um, but it's strange when you're working on an AI ethics group and you're trying to do, um, you're trying to put out public research. Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, 
I don't know what exactly you're leaking. It's probably not like it's probably not leaks on on business strategy. I mean, we could just speculate, but it's probably not business strategy and IP. It's probably more like, uh, like you said, communications on which papers they're going to publish. I mean, is this and and I I I I know the people who were fired would would take exception to this, but it's like, was this a good idea that Google will say, hey, we're just going to hire a bunch of people to think about ethics and we're going to give them freedom to just write whatever they want. And then of course it, it blows up in their faces uh, because that's not really what they wanted. Um, and then of course they're going to hire people who also have an ideological yeah, driven it, agenda. It certainly so seems it's... like part of the problem here might be that they brought in a bunch of people to, to operate in a academic environment uh, within yeah. a corporate environment. And, and those two uh, cultures do not yeah, often mesh. Yeah. All right. So, I'm, I'm going to try to follow that a little bit more. Um, we've, we covered the Tim the Jibber situation pretty in depth in 149. I'm not going to do that today uh, with the with the update, but um, I just want to. It's just uh, it's just uh, it's just interesting to see how this. I mean, look, any sufficiently large company, even medium and small companies, have like you know coworker. Uh, crap that blows up in their faces all the time. I mean, that's not, that's not uncommon, but like, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, this kind of goes to the heart of like our, <laughs> our entire economic system when it cut, not economic system, but like our entire tech technical internet system, when it comes to like what we're doing in terms of AI and ads, I don't think, I don't think anyone's really articulated really what, you know, what the, what the problem really is. I think, uh, you know, e even a lot of this research that I read, it's just, it's very, it's very fluffy. It's not really very, um, it, it, I mean, maybe that's why they don't like it. It's not really bringing them any value, but I don't think that, I don't think so. I think Google loves putting out like fluffy puff pieces. And, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe the research like that, but I would describe the research as, hmm, I don't know what the practical implication is going to be for Google here. So, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'd like to get one of these people on the show if I could. Uh, I don't know if they'd come on, but we'll see. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else? Yeah, I, I think the big question remains, uh, is this the last domino to fall? Is there another shoe to drop? Um, it feels like there or, is. Or is there going to be uh, you know a, a lot more happening in the same side? I vote yes. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I vote yes. Um, well, well, we'll keep watching. Okay, some good news from uh, from the other part of Google, although this is not really Google anymore, from the other side of Alphabet. Uh, Waymo, which we recently spoke about in episode 150. Remember, uh, they opened up to the public in Chandler, Arizona, which is where they have their self-driving taxis with no safety driver. You just get in. Well, they are expanding to San Francisco, um, which seems like a much more danger fraught driving territory in a variety of different ways because you know there are huge hills there are throngs of tourists and um let's say you know uh you know just um the people who hang out in the streets there are a little bit uh a little bit crazy and uh uh uh, it's, it's an urban environment. Don't forget the trolleys. Yeah, trolleys, urban environment. So that's really interesting. So the question is how well can it deal with urban areas from this, uh, from this article in, in VentureBeat, 
2020, uh, Venmo ramped up testing in the San Francisco Bay Area. I, I haven't read yeah. the article, but I assume they're not going immediately to the driverless cars. No, I think they are. That is what this is. Yeah. Oh, oh you mean they might start with a safety driver? Well, with, with, without the safety drivers or? Oh, man. I, th- I assumed it was without the safety drivers since they were already doing that in the other one, but they might start with the safety drivers. I don't know. So hold on. I just want to read this one quote just to just to summarize what was happening. I, I would expect that they're going to have to ease into it yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah. So in 2020, Waymo ramped up go, go testing it, yeah. in the San Francisco Bay Area in, tans- in anticipation of future ride-hailing pilots. Uh, Waymo says it has optimized the Waymo driver, its autonomous planning, perception, and navigation system to handle the complexities of the Golden Gate City aided by cameras that can spot jaywalkers. Um, people doing a lot more than jaywalking out there. Uh, if the driver pulls up to a bus by a crosswalk, it can reason that passengers may be getting off to cross the street. So like if you see the bus, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to assume there are pedestrians on the other side of the bus. And if it's driving on the street with a road, with road work, the driver understands that traffic cones and signs are meant to guide it out of the usual lane. So that's pretty cool. It can, um, it can understand what the what the cones say and what the signs say, which sometimes a lot of people can't uh, understand that. So, uh, yeah, like I said in the first one, do you think they're really going to stop at Chandler? Or do you think this is going to ha- this is really going to happen? Is there any better indication this is happening that they're trying to move into a city like this? And this, I think, will be as big of a change in our day to day lives as the as the currency thing, as the Bitcoin thing. Um, you know, maybe you know you won't have as much incredible wealth. But- yeah, they're they're certainly putting all the pieces yeah. in place so that they can make uh, it happen. I I would not put mon- any money on uh, on sa- on them being able to operate in San Francisco without safety drivers in 2021. But uh, I I could already be uh, wrong on that. I'm gonna uh, quote from another part of the article. Uh, as of uh, let's see, oh shoot, it's trying to play a video. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> as of 2019, Waymo had. Uh, 268 safety drivers in California. The company declined, declined to disclose the size of its current fleet, but Waymo said last summer it deployed autonomous minivans to service the Bay Area. It does not say whether there are safety drivers. I think there, uh, yeah, I think there are going to be safety drivers to start out. But hey, at least you could give it a sh- try if you are one of the few who are still in San Francisco and hasn't fled yet, uh, maybe you could give uh, a try on one of these, uh, on one of these uh, Waymo rides and uh, and see how it goes. Um, okay, so I'm I'm kind of excited about that. That takes a step forward. And much much like they say, if it, about New York City, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I think if they can solve the uh, the autonomous driving without a safety driver problem in San Francisco. Uh, then they've got a really strong case for exporting that that capability to the rest of the city, the rest of the country, and yeah, the rest of the world. almost anywhere though, because it's not New York. But uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe ninety percent of the if you can make it there, you can make it ninety percent of the places. Um, by the way, one of the things I I started realizing about New Hampshire is how much they hate Massachusetts uh, drivers. Um, so <laughs> I think. <laughs> They might have to have their own division well, for Boston. Everyone hates Massachusetts. Yeah, right. they might have to have their own division for Boston uh, at, at Waymo, at the, uh, the Boston AI team, specifically to deal with Boston drivers. Um, okay, 
Yeah, well, if if the AI trains on Boston drivers as its uh, its learning data oh, set, then that is going to be a scary <laughs> aggressive AI. That is, <laughs> that's the future. That's the uh, that's the dystopian future, isn't it? Um, okay. So finally, I want to follow up on well, episode seventy, which was already a couple years ago. I talked about you know why podcasting is such a fun medium and i'm i'm working on getting some guests these days I, I hope so i mean i talked on i went on charlie oliver's show the other day i was back on to talk about uh to talk about uh clubhouse which is a new audio app not really podcasting and so uh yeah well with the uh, passing of rush limbaugh last week at the age of 70 so have, have you used that much because i've i've heard of it but we have not talked oh, about I, it. I i used it a little bit i used it a little bit i just want to talk about with the passing of rush limbaugh at the age of 70 how the audio medium has changed in the last 30 years and what's happening now uh because he was really um probably i would say the person who used the media the audio medium of like talk radio the best certainly had the big biggest audience um and i know like regardless of, of what you think of him he he really did a he, he really knew how to put on a show in that regard and so you know in that way you know just like kind of joe rogan cracked uh podcasting um i really think when you have a, a new medium come you you kind of have the um you kind of have the rise of like not even experts, just like um, just like masters who figure out how to use that medium as best as they possibly can. And you know, podcasting is still open for that. Like I said, Joe Rogan is kind of ahead, and he's got he's got all the things, but it's sort of open for for um, for disruption. I don't claim to be that person, but I but I, I do claim to put on a cool podcast that people should listen to every week. But uh, you know, look. Uh, Clubhouse is coming up, and and that is I I don't really get it that much so far, but it's it's basically you go in and you listen to conversations from like uh, you know some some people in tech might be having a conversation on on how to build great products, and you can go and listen to their conversation. That's great. Another thing I didn't know about it, which I'm glad I didn't know when I first uh, logged into it, was that they could call on you. So that would be that's a huge difference from radio. I mean, can you imagine? If you're in your car listening to talk radio, and they'd be like, and, and all of a sudden they'd be like, "Hey, Aaron, what do you think?" And you're like, "Wait, what? I've got to have a hold on on the stop sign." <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, it's it's really turning the uh, the call and radio show on its head. They call cold call you. No, that's too. I don't think you'd have millions of people willing to do that. Although that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, having not participated on Clubhouse, it it almost sounds like it's, it's acting as a replacement for um, like in-person conferences where, where you could have those kinds of like panel discussions, but also with audience involvement. And, and granted, it's probably a lot more free form without the, the strictures of physical location. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And, and for sure. And I, I also, I failed to mention on that podcast, there was, uh, so I don't know if you've heard of the podcasting platform called Anchor. Um, that's a podcasting platform today, but they actually started trying to do something else. Uh, they started Spotify. Is, is Anchor independent, yeah. or did they get acquired but when by they were, like Spotify or something? Yeah, uh, when okay. they were independent, I, I believe we've they, talked about that they before. They first the wanted to be kind of like the Twitter of audio. So basically, you'd say something for 10 seconds, 
And then basically when you wanted to listen to it, it would be like a constant feed of 10 second audio thoughts from the people you followed. And I thought that was really interesting, but I guess it didn't, it was hard for them to, I, I think it was just, it was so unique that it was hard for them to get, get the user base they wanted. And they just found, hey, if we just get into podcasting, people will understand what we're doing. But it's not surprising that someone else tried to do something with audio like Clubhouse. Uh, if, yeah. If Vine is any, uh, any indicator, they were just ahead yeah. of their time yeah. with that idea. Uh, so, hey, maybe someone will build something like that as well. Uh, maybe Clubhouse will, will come out as, as well. And, um, and yeah, I, 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 I went back to episode 70 of this podcast, and I really liked it because I really um, sort of uh, you know, trace the history back through, through, from, from radio to podcasting, uh, which, which I'm always interested in. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's like sort of an end to an era in AM radio, although it'll still exist. Um, but, um, no, I think people who are getting into audio now are almost exclusively going to be getting into podcasting and, and maybe even Clubhouse, maybe some of these um, more, maybe maybe AR, maybe Marsbot, uh, maybe Marsbot Audio. We'll see. Um, okay, so uh, that's really all I had for today. A bunch of different news items to tie up some loose ends from uh, from previous shows. Uh, we went over Gresham's Law. We went over uh, Google AI ter- uh, turmoil. We went over driverless cars expanding to San Francisco, and we went over how the audio medium has changed in the last 30 years since, uh, since Rush Limbaugh came on the air. All right. Anything else? Any, uh, any, any other comments? Or I think, I think we're going to wrap up today. Any last words? Let- yeah. I mean, a, a lot of interesting things to keep an eye on, uh, in the future, but, uh, n- nothing, nothing pithy to, to wrap it all up with today. Unfortunately. <laughs> all right. Great. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show today, Aaron, and uh, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at LocalMaxRadio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.